Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Thank you for those that are here today that maybe have struggled to come for varying reasons, but we appreciate it. Uh, those of you that are joining us online, thank you. Um, uh, have you ever have you ever been lost? Has anyone like show of hands? Seriously, who's ever been like really lost somewhere? Okay. Do you do you remember like if you tell that story, you recount that story? I've been lost before, and you always you you never really remember like when you were found again. But like, or, or which turn took you off? You like can kind of go back and maybe if you retrace, it'd be like, oh, if I would have just not turned left there, this would have happened. But a lot of times it's like, no, I'm just, just lost. And especially if it's not like on roads, if you're like lost out in the hills, it's a little, a little trickier. Um, the thing that's, that's difficult about getting lost is it's not like you know you're getting lost until you're, you're lost. Like, have you ever noticed that? Like, it's not like, oh, I hope I'm getting lost right now. Maybe some of you do that. That's just crazy. But like most people don't realize they're lost and tell they're lost. And then they're like, "Uh oh, I'm lost. And you get that panicking feeling. Or even when you think like, I may not be going the right way, or I'm, I might be finding something off here. I don't, I don't know. And there's that, there's that moment where you kind of start to go, oh, I don't know what's going on. I feel a little lost. But at the same point, I'm hoping I'm going to get somewhere. And, and all kinds of things happen when we're lost. You, you panic, you, um, you start trying to think through all the ways you can solve it. Like being lost is one of those things that, that no one really is like, I'm so excited I'm lost. But, but it's amazing when you, you get right back on the same track how almost all the fears and concerns and everything you had of being lost just goes away instantly when you're like, oh, I know this tree or this rock or this road or wherever it is. I know where I'm at, and I'm going to get myself out of this now. I'm going to be good to go. And it's amazing how in the moment of being lost, it's so disorienting, so scary, so fear-ridden, fear and yet that literally just goes away once you're found. We as a church regularly just teach through scripture. We just kind of pick a book and stay in it. And every now and then, this is not often, but every now and then we, uh, we choose as elders to kind of step into a topic that we feel like is, is prevalent enough in the church that we need to talk about it because there's something going on. I'll, I'll confess right now, I don't like topical. I don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not my, my gift set. Even like creative like title names like the church is. I don't even know if that's going to work for a title, but that was just the best I got, okay? So like, so like I don't like topical. I think also a lot of times the, the, the disservice to topical, at least for me, is that I can try and put like my purposes through the scripture as opposed to let the scripture really speak, and that's not what I want to do, but I think we're lost. So we want to commission you. Sorry. To join us in pointing each other back to Jesus. I truly hope, we truly hope as your elders that, that as we try and recenter um, a bit, as we try and focus on the things that matter most, we hope you would be encouraged. Um, I'm sure that some of you may feel convicted, but please know that is not our heart, our desire. If the Spirit is convicting you, that's His work in your heart. I, I challenge you, encourage you to remain, remain under. But if I could like if I could kind of say what I would hope these next few weeks would be, like I would like it to be like, um, like, a, a, like a warm hug. <laughs> we all need a warm hug. And I understand with the pandemic, people are like, whoa, I don't want to, okay, whatever. You get what I'm saying there. 
Um, this week, I'm just going to try and identify the problem, and hopefully give us a framework to work within. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this. Um, but before we do, I, I think there's something that has to happen. What I realized is I was trying to figure out, as we were praying through, and I was talking with the elders, and, and like endless amounts of like conversations trying to be like, okay, if we boil this down, and, and some of you I've met with lunch, and I had lunch with a few people this week, and I was just like, hey, what do you think it is? And like let them kind of like talk about stuff to try and help me understand these things. I think what I realized is if we're going to accomplish what, what I believe the Lord is asking us to do, which is a, is, a, is a clear understanding of the purpose of the church, a clear understanding of what the church is doing, there's a couple... Um, like guardrails or rules of engagement that we have to engage in first, that we have to kind of set up because even right now, and I'm, I'm sure of it, some of you, you're here or you're online or you're listening to this because you're, you're one step away from going, I'm just waiting for them to say the wrong thing. And so I want to just be really clear, and, and you guys can choose to um, uh, understand this or agree with this, but I want to be really clear. Our elder team is... Um, is probably the healthiest I've ever experienced an elder team in my life. It's wonderful. But we are a uh, very diverse group of men um, when it comes to our political leanings, when it comes to our church history, and when it comes to our education level. I say that because there hasn't been a single thing that we have been able to do or say over the last two years where we weren't keenly aware of how one person representing a number of people would feel. That being said, I want to say this as clearly as possible, and I would plead with you to, 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 to believe me. I'll use Jonathan Sicka's line. I don't, I don't lie on, on, on Sundays, right? Like, like, like just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> he said that in his sermon. That's on him, okay? <laughs> we have and are not and have not are trying to thread some euphoric needle between political lines in every decision we're making. That has never been a discussion. It's been an acknowledgement, but it's never been a, hey, if we do this, the right might or the left might, or what about this side? That's never been it. That's never been our motivation. It's never been, how can we do the, the most fine thing to try and keep everyone happy? In fact, I think you're aware of that because there's not a lot of happiness right now. We've never, we've never been about trying to make a decision that would line up or thread a needle. In fact, we weren't even trying to make decisions that would make it neutral. neutral. I, I, don't, I don't know how, um, how we can follow the Lord and, and, and surrender to his lordship and remain completely, perfectly fit in a political line and party. So, so I'm not suggesting that you need to pick one or the other. In fact, stay where you are. In fact, I would argue and contend and plead with you wherever you are, please stay. Please be a part of this. But that's never been our motivation. That's never been our desire. That's never been what we're praying for. We haven't been praying for some kind of political unity in the church. That's not been our desire or our goal. So the decisions we have made, um, I would be willing to say first up front right now, and all of us are aware of this, they could have been wrong ones, but they were prayerful. We could have made massive mistakes, but we're accountable to God for that. And so we have strived to, to point and to lead and to do these things. And as we realize as a church, um, we just want so badly for all people to thrive under the lordship of Jesus. Entirely to the glory of God. I had no idea this was going to happen. You're probably not shocked. I get it. 
Um, but let me just ask you this question right now. This is you get it. You get it. We're gonna do things different because I'm in topical, so there's no lane for me to stay in. Woohoo! Sorry, sorry. Um, so, so show of hands. Um, this is a this is a response time. Show of hands. Um, with all the disagreeing, fighting, factions, articles to support viewpoints or other viewpoints that, that contradict our viewpoints, um, the news, social media, who is tired, tired of fighting, tired of feeling alone, hurt? Show of hands, please. Okay, keep your hands up. Look around. Look around, please. If you're online, every hand here is up. Some aren't because they're not tired. That's great. They're probably over-caffeinated. Now let's fight about who is more tired or more hurt. Come on, let's go. <laughs> in my house, we have um, three tables. We have, uh, if you come into my house, it's kind of a long entrance area. We have this kitchen island table, and, and, it's, and then we have our dining room table that's kind of like connected there, and if you, it's like a little L, and then the top of the L is our living room that has this really massive coffee table around, um, around like couches and such. And I've always been noticed or perplexed that like each of these tables kind of has a purpose, right? Like the kitchen island table is kind of the like getting to know each other, the casual conversation or the, you know, like how are, how are you doing? And maybe there's some serious conversation that can happen around that. But like when you're at the island, it's like someone could just stop by and it's not a formal thing. It's just a, hey, just chatting some stuff. And then when we go to the, the dining room table, it becomes kind of a formal conversation around a meal. And we're talking about, hey, this is the, this is the table that, that we're going to have some, maybe some, some real clear or harder conversations. And then, and then inevitably at our house, what ends up happening is we start at the, the, the kitchen island, we work our way to the dining table, and then inevitably we're like, hey, you want to continue this conversation over in the living room? And, and in our house, when you get to the living room, and, and if you're like, I've never been in your living room, Brent, like, it's not like we keep track of this, Okay. <laughs> In our house, when you get to the living room, it's, it's a, like the guards are down. It, the, the, it's more relational. The conversation that was started maybe at the island that kind of went deeper or more intimate or maybe even maybe in like a little elevated in conversation at the dining room table in the, in the, in the living room now, it's, it's, it's everyone's kind of relaxed. We're reclined. We're, we're, we're part of a conversation. And as I look at our tables, the various tables in our home, we realize there are many people that were at many of these different spaces in our home that are not there anymore. And my assumption is you're feeling that too. Kind of feels like the Avengers Affinity War where everyone just kind of went to ash, right? They just disappeared. And we're realizing our tables are, there's, there's, there's empty chairs and there's, there's frustration with like people that were vital parts of the living room aren't even at the, the island anymore. And people that were willing to share a long meal and have wonderful conversations, they're not even wanting to be in the same home. So what's interesting is, is the table language, and the reason why I go there is that, is that you and I, those of us who have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, we've been invited to a table. And if you notice, we, we don't have any of the communion stuff set out, and that's on purpose. We're not taking communion this week. We're going to ask you to prayerfully work through what needs to be done so that when you come to that table... You can do so with a heart that has surrendered to Jesus in all areas. The reason why I bring up the, the communion tables, Aaron last week did a, a, just an absolutely phenomenal job. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back to listen to it, of talking about what it means for us to live our lives loving each other like Jesus has loved us. Specifically, a conversation that begun, began around a, tra- around a table. 
The very same table that, that Jesus begins and says these things then institutes the Lord's Supper, a table conversation. And that's a table that we continually, ritualistically, lovingly go back to to remember what Jesus has done for us. It says in Matthew 26, 6, 26 through 29, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. After blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, hear this, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus does many parables about around the table and the wedding feast and the banquet, but as we look at the scriptures in the New Testament, we, we see this, this picture of, of kind of this, this marriage process where Jesus came and engaged with us at the, at the, the first time when he walked here, and then he's gotten engaged, and so now he goes home to, to what would they do is they build onto their parents' house a place where they could live, and when that was done, that's when the ceremony would, would finalize. And so Jesus presents this picture of, hey, at this table, my blood and my body is what brings you to this table, and I desperately want to partake of the feast with you, but I will not until my Father's kingdom is complete. Until then, let me see this other scripture. As often as you gather, stay at the table. Stay at the table. The problem is, is that um, we keep not being okay with the, the table setting that he has for us. And let me, let me explain this. The... Um, if Jesus is about to, to, to say this language about the table and then he goes and he goes and, and goes to the cross, is, is buried and resurrected and comes back and, and, and institutes kind of the church and we see it culminating in Pentecost, what do they begin to do? They begin to, to sit at the table and start talking about the things that Jesus has said around the idea that we are forgiven and we are one and we are placed in this, we are in place because of what God has done for us. Um, we realize it's the beginning of the church. We're all who surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is the table he draws us to, a table that has settled how you get to it. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one gets to the Father except through me, Jesus. It's also a table that, um, that is very clear on what we are to believe to be at it, and that's Jesus. It's a table that um, we're at that causes us to want to live a different way, and that's because of Jesus. The table um, should remind us of two very important things that I think we need to remember, and this is where we're going to begin in our The Church Is. Two very important things that we have to be reminded about this table idea that Jesus has brought us to. One is he's at the head of it. He's there. He's not lost. He's not like, huh, I wonder where my seating is. He's at the head of it. The other thing that is adamantly 100% true is we are not there alone. He has brought us to the table. Now, let's just say hypothetically, um, you invited my family over for dinner. And we're like, okay, cool. It'll take us a minute to get some stuff, you know, and we show up and, and, um, and we come to, the, come to your house, and we knock on the door, and they're like, oh, they're here. And then you notice 
that the kids knocked at the door, and Jen and I are unloading a table out of my truck, right? We're coming in with our table, and we're, we're carrying this table in. And like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, well, see, here's the thing. We're really excited you invited us over. But there are some things that we disagree about with you. And so instead of sitting at your table, because I feel like to be at your table, I have to agree with everything. We're just going to set up like the Thanksgiving kids' table and just kind of make our own table here and do this. And, I mean, would anyone have a, a, like, what's wrong with you, Bren, moment? This is what we're doing. Church, hear me on this. We are literally picking up every table and showing up to someone's house and say, oh, this is the, (laughs) this is the mask-wearing table. This is the vaccine table. This is the the Democrat table and the Republican table. And, oh, this is the the Arminius table or or the Calvinist table. Like, we've been doing this and doing this and doing this. And what we're trying to do is Jesus has this table set for us where he identifies where I get to sit at it. And I'm only there because he's invited me. And I show up like, that's great, Jesus, but do you have a better fork? I don't really want to sit next to that person because... They're in a different denomination than me. And we have continued to put table after table after table. The homeschool one, the, the Facebook is, is, is evil one. The, you, you pick it. And it's not, hear me on this, please hear me on this. Please, please, please. It's not that any of these issues aren't important. I'm not saying that. But we have used the very things that God says important as an excuse to withdraw from a table that he's drawn us all to. And we keep bringing different tables to the kingdom of God. Or, what's even scarier is we push away from the table entirely. Say, I want nothing to do with you. Church is in trouble. I want to be clear. um, One of the things that my position affords me and I I enjoy is I get to stay very connected to a lot of other pastors. Um, these These are people that are like, pastor me a lot and spend time caring for me, which is a really, really wonderful thing. Um, As I talk to them and as you pay attention to any podcast out there that's talking about church stuff, um, this conversation that we're struggling with right now, the thing I'm talking about, is not just our context. It's not just here. That being said, I'm not trying to solve or have the conversation for outside of here, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't, although I believe that there are principles that would value everywhere, I'm not trying to solve that. I just want to have this conversation here. So when I talk about the church, and we will, we will clarify this in the coming weeks, but when I talk about the church, I'm, I'm predominantly talking about the people of God under the dominion of the kingdom of God, desiring to bring glory to God in everything we do, and this small C church extension of it, Revolution 22, that we are part of. That's what I'm talking about here. Um, so there's a, a, a principle that's being talked about by the whoever that they are that are smarter than everyone else. Um, uh, it's, this, it's this rule of thirds that we're hearing about. Um, it's this idea now, and I want to hear on this. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of adopting some of this and, and messing it up some, so I'm sure it's not entirely true. But like any statistic, you know, like 90% of them were made up. So um, that one was made up, in case you didn't understand that. Um, it's this rule of thirds. Uh, I want to be really clear here. If you hear these thirds group and you go, I'm in that group, and then you start creating a faction around that, you are missing the entire point. So please don't, don't do that, okay? But there's a rule of thirds that's happening in the church over the last two years. It's a, the third, there's a third of people in any given church, any small C extension church, that are, are kind of doubling down. 
They're the ones that are saying, I'm here, I'm fighting, I want to stay a part of this community, I don't know what's going on, this world is a mess, I don't like everything, but like, count me in, and they're like trying to figure out how can I further the gospel in the context with what God is allowing to happen in our culture right now. And there's about a third that are kind of doing that in the church. And then there's a third that are just leaving. Leaving. Now, we don't know if they're leaving the church, the big C church in general, if they're leaving um, a small C extension church and getting plugged into another church, that may be the case sometimes. But they're just exiting. We don't know, in all honesty, like there's probably people that aren't online right now that have been online for us for a while, but they just kind of disappeared. People that left really flamboyantly and loud or very quiet and just disappeared. I want to be clear, when I say leaving does not mean that people that are leaving the church are leaving Jesus. They're just leaving small extension churches. Some may be saying that, and if that's the case, 1 John speaks very clearly about that. It says they were never of us if they're leaving that way. But the predominant reasons that people are leaving churches to find other churches or move are based around causes politics. Those are the predominant statistic of whatever statistics made up that we see (laughs) and how the church is operating under or with or alongside of those politics or causes that they are or aren't speaking loudly enough about. Um, Not all bad things, and a lot of them the church should be doing, but people are like leaving. And then there's this other third, and, and hear me on this. If you're this third, I, I desperately want you to hear the rest of what we're going to talk about. It's the third that, that, like me, realizes their dining room table is, is emptier. It's the third that are right now in the church are right here. You're here going, man, I have really good friends, people I love that are in both of those thirds. Those that have exited and those that are doubling down. And we see, we see you, I see you, and I, I know what you're thinking because, because I felt it too. You're counting the cost. Like you're watching those that are doubling down and going, is it worth the baseball bat hits? Is it, is it worth it? Like you're watching them going, are they going to be able to do it? Can they, can they stay in? Can they keep getting hit like this and still continue to proclaim Jesus? Like, is it worth it? And you're also watching the people that left go, man, how are they faring? Are they doing well? Because that kind of seems nice. And so you find yourself at the spot going, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. And most, if not all of it, is based on these things you wrote down. And there may be some really wonderful things that need to be worked through in the body of Christ on this stuff. I'm not saying that these are all bad. But this stuff, this disagreeing, is why we vacate community. It's why we leave community. Because we just can't agree enough. And I'm with you. You deeply care about those that have gone and those that are here. And I just, if you hear nothing else today, I just want you to know, I know what that feels like. You're not alone. It's scary. We have no idea what the future holds, but God does, and he always has. 
and he's not out of control. We're all tired and hurting. What's scary to me is the inability for us to see through some of the rhetoric of the garbage that is getting in the way of, of that which we all agree on, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me in my own life how, how quickly these other things can somehow sneak past Jesus and become more important than him. So as we, as we begin this series, as we talk about these things and move forward, as I'm way behind in my notes, so enjoy that. Um, we need to be reminded of where we get healing. Our healing is not in running from pain. You can do that for a very long time, but it always catches up. Our healing will not come from a political party or any ideology, for that matter. In fact, I don't even think I have to convince you of this. Yet, practically, in our lives, we continually forget it. Our healing comes from Jesus. Alone. Not Jesus plus. Not Jesus and. Jesus. The one that drew you to this table. The one that, that drew all of us to the table. That's where our healing comes from. Ephesians 2 talks about it this way. It says, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked. Now, it's important to remember, walked is this idea, it's as you live. It's an everyday thing. It's something you just are, okay, as you walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Earmark that. Remember that, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. If it ends right there, that's just a lot of really lame news. But it doesn't. It goes on. It says, but God. <laughs> but God. Those two words should be on repeat in your head right now. I don't get what's going on with my friends, but God. I don't get what's going on with politics, but God, but God, but God. But God, being what? Rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, had no right sitting at the table when we were dead, not sick, not hurt, not mostly bad, dead in our trespasses. He made us alive, what? Now hear this, this is important. Together with Christ. I don't, I don't know if you notice this as I'm reading this. There's a lot of us language in there, not I. By grace, you, there we go, there's some, some, some individual, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no man, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Not sick, not hurting, dead. It's important for us to see that, because if he can raise us from the dead, then he knows exactly how you're hurting right now, and he can heal you from that. He can heal all your hurts. There's nothing he can't go, I, I don't know what to do with that one. Everyone's perplexed. If he can raise us from the dead, sit us at a table together. So this is the important part. It's not just the you and me, we got this figured out, God, all by ourselves. It's us 
at the table together, he seated us together in Christ, then that means our healing comes from Jesus and we get to do it as an us. So the worst thing we can do is, is remove ourselves from us. We take the very people that drive us nuts that God says, no, 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 I'm going to sanctify you through them. We take the very people that, that could encourage us to do better as long as it is today, and we walk away from them because it just seems too hard. Us. I believe that one of the reasons why we have lost sight of us in the church is because it's the soil for which we have produced in our lives. And this is why I say this. If we, if we continue to live in a way that is not true to God's word and not true to the way that we were meant to be, then it's only going to lend itself to operating less and less and less and less like the way God commanded us. There I say we are lost. Galatians 5, 13 through 17 says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the, what, was, what did we just read? Flesh. Wait, wait, hang on a second. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you can leave that up there. Don't even worry about it. Don't even change it. Once lived in the passions of our flesh. Okay, just making sure. Okay, good. Moving on. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like the whole law is fulfilled in that. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you did not listen to what Aaron taught last week, you must go back and hear that. Please. You shall love yourself, your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, I'm a visual person. All I, do, all I do is picture adults going around and biting each other. I just, sorry, that was free. Enjoy that. What is he saying? He's saying we use our freedom as a means to fight and attack. The very thing we've been freed from, we use it as an excuse to divide and to fight and to, and to attack. He goes on, 16 says, but I say, oh, walk. There it is. Walk by what? By the Spirit. Not Walk according to the flesh. Walk by the Spirit as you go, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so walking by the Spirit means that I actually don't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's a very real tension here. Do you feel it? We're not, we're not perplexed by that. Come on, let's be honest. You know when you're kind of being a little rude. You just don't care at times. I, I know when I'm, I'm being self-centered or seeking selfish ambition, but I, I just justify it because of something that I say is greater. But what do we see here? We see that the works of the flesh are in conflict with the works of the Spirit. This is important because I think what, one of the things that we've done as the church is we've said we can operate by being right without any fruit of the Spirit. And they're in conflict with each other. Your rightness, your being correct, does not mean that you get to be void of the Spirit of God. Even if you are 100% correct, they're in conflict with each other. I think we forget that until we have a resurrected body, we will live in this tension forever. You will be at war internally, forever, and praise Jesus, he has won that. We don't have to worry about losing that battle. But you will, and I will, we will be in tension with our flesh until our resurrected body is brought to us. 
through Jesus Christ coming again. It's important for us to keep that locked and loaded because everything else in this world tells you, go ahead, fight, 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 fight. Our system works when everyone's fighting and quarreling and fearful. The kingdom of God is what's seen when everyone is unified, submitted, and joyful. He goes on in Galatians 5 after saying this, and he says, um, he lists not an exhaustive list, but it is a very interesting list of 15 works of the flesh. Before we read that, I just want to tell you, because some people don't like math, and I've made mathematical mistakes from up here before, but, but eight of them, eight of them, eight of them have to do with violations of brotherly love. Let that sink in for a second. 15 works of the flesh, which we just said, oh, wait, the flesh and the spirit are in opposition. So if we're doing works of the flesh, then we are in opposition with the spirit of God inside of us. Eight of them, over half of them, have to do with issues of brotherly love. So let's go on, let's read it. Now the works of the flesh, okay, there's that flesh word, just in case you're wondering, it's the same word all the way through these, these texts. Our evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Okay, so, so we see this list of things, and many people are like, whoa, this is intense. There's a lot of sexual stuff here. This is crazy. Sorcery, I don't know about that. And then he just kind of lobs in enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. Dissensions. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay, divisions and envy. Oh, and drunkenness and orgies and, and the things like these. Does anyone, like, it, I felt like when I read this, it's like, how have I missed this? Fits of anger is a work of the flesh? Division is a work of the flesh? He goes on, says, I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not be at a table with God. Hear that. Now, now, making mistakes in them? No, God's grace is wonderful. But if you continue to live your life with no regard of the Spirit and completely as the works of flesh, are you really at the table? It goes on and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, show of hands. Who has that memorized? Man, this is like, this is like the verses that we want to memorize when we're young. I, I wasn't raised in the church, but this is one of the first ones. Like, you got to memorize this one. What's interesting is we can memorize it here, but not live it out in our day-to-day -day life. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Have crucified the flesh. That means that divisions have been crucified. To sit at this table... That's dead. To sit at this table, I can't operate in enmity. I don't get to just do it because I'm right and they're wrong. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit then, let us also keep in step. Let us walk with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. We planted this fruit in us. It doesn't just show up, guys. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be divisive. You continually give yourself to reasons to being divisive over and over again, justifying it, justifying it, justifying it, when then you become just a really divisive person. You, you water that soil in your heart. 
And what's, what's, what's so sad to me, because I see it in my own heart, is some of our hearts are so hard, we can't even hear that. It takes time. You either neglect this or you maintain it. That's what Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. These were their works. Listen to this. This is the best part. In Ephesians, we, we read it earlier. The, the, in two, that were created beforehand for you to do. So he's not even asking you to do something that he hasn't already given you to do. He says, walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling, a skill that weighs out. Like, if this is what you believe, if this is the table you sit at, then live a life that's true, that says that I follow this because I know what I've been brought out of, darkness and death and sadness and sickness and, and, and hopelessness. And I've been sat at a table that I have no right being at, but I've been deemed worthy because of what Jesus has done for me. Now live worthy of that with all humility. No, sorry, worthy of the calling to which you've been called to the table with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, I understand why unity is such a hard thing because we can't just find someone that we agree with and pursue unity there. This isn't a new thing. Um, Paul isn't, just so you guys know, I'm not, Paul, Paul, nor are we asking unity at all costs. He based the unity, he goes right after this, into the fundamental truths of the gospel about the one God, one Jesus, one baptism, one spirit. Like he goes into the full foundational truths that you need to have to pursue unity in this way. But this isn't new, and I had meant to spend most of my time here so you can tell how this is going. Um, Philippians 4, 2 3 through 3 says this, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, who have been brought to the table of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me just give you a little context here. Um, the Apostle Paul has spent a ridiculous amount of time inspired by God through Philippians. I would encourage you to read all the way up to chapter four, talking about what does it mean to live and walk as a, as a child of God. There's, it's void of self-ambition. It's understanding who Jesus is. He's, he spent all this time. And then in the middle of this letter that he's sent to the church in Philippi, the person gets up to read it, and two ladies are singled out in there. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche. Wait, what, what, what is going on? First off, someone named their kids that, please. It's awesome, okay? <laughs> but, like, but he literally calls them out in front of everything. Now, why would he do that? And he doesn't give us any theological training, and he doesn't take a side, which tells us that neither of them were wrong in what they were believing, and that what they were believing is most likely nothing to do with the doctrinal or theological thing, because he would have engaged in that conversation there. Instead, two women... In the church, believe it or not, this is not new, we're fighting about something that was big enough that it risked dividing the church. Hear that. This is not new, people. This is the whole church of Corinth. Was it just a hot mess because of the divisions? And here he is saying, I entreat you. I plead with you. I beg with you. These things you're disagreeing about, they must be big enough that they're passionate about. I don't know what they're disagreeing about, like probably masks or Republican or Democrat vaccine. I don't know. It's, it's two women. It was probably homeschool or public school. I'm just, I'm just going out on a limb here, okay? <laughs> I joke, but the reality is those are all things that we are passionate about, and that's okay. 
we have biblical permission to be passionate about those things because he doesn't say stop believing them. He doesn't just go, don't believe them anymore and figure it out. No, no, no. And he doesn't say, Yodia, you need to believe what Syntyche does or, or, you know, we need to do this. Instead, what he does, and I love this, I love this. Please, if you hear nothing else today, this is my charge for you, okay? He says, take a step back to the table with you, which with you both are already at. What does he do? Put it, we can put it back up there. He says, I entreat you, Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask all, you also, true companion, we don't know who the true companion is, but he's, he's literally pleading with someone to say, will you please walk with them through this disagreement? Help these women who have, and then he goes on to talk about how wonderful they are. They've labored in the gospel with me. Their name's in the book of life. They're at the table. Their political beliefs or their, their views around mass or vaccines, there's their beliefs, all those things, they may be important, but all of those things do not withdraw you from the table that Jesus has brought you to. Because Jesus is who keeps us at this table, not these other things. And so he says, be of the same mind. That's what, that's what I agree is. To be of the same mind, but what? In the Lord. <laughs> we, we, we're lost because we think we need to be agree in the same mind in our politics in our ideologies, in what the church should or shouldn't be doing. And he says, no, 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 those, that's great, that's great, that's great. Paul doesn't even engage in it. And if it was a theological issue, we know he would because he, he said some follow Apollos and some follow Paul. And he's like, by no means. Remember, he does that in Corinthians. So whatever their view is, it's, it's a big enough view that the church is at risk dividing. And, and church, hear me on this. We're dividing. We're dividing around very distant, I don't want to minimize these things, very distant things that just, they don't require us to know to sit at the table. We've even added theologies in there. It's like, the Lord will grow us in those theologies. What do I need to know? Jesus. There's my inception. He draws me in, and I need to know Jesus. Jesus will take care of the sanctification journey. When their common bond, one says it this way, says when their common bond in the Lord becomes central, their attitude towards each other will be the same as Christ Jesus expressed on the way to the cross. They will not claim their rights for their own advantage. They will take the form of a servant and they will humble themselves. This is how we move forward as a church. Humility. And I'll be the first one to say it. Some of us, we've been beating a drum for a long time at a different table that had no business in the kingdom of God. And it's going to take a whole lot of humility to step in this. And I'll be the first one to say this. If someone makes that step and you say something like, it's about time, I will gladly come over and like, well, I can't slap you, but you get what I'm saying? Like, I will gladly come over and correct it because that's not, that's, not what the prodigal, this, that's not how the prodigal son was received. He threw a party for him. And if someone comes to you and says, I have made my politics the thing, your first response isn't, okay, so how are you changing your politics? It's welcome to the table, brother. I entreat you, Bren. I entreat you, fill in your name, to be reminded that you agree of the same mind in the Lord. 
One scholar says it this way. He says, agreeing in the Lord with other believers does not necessarily mean that we concur on every secondary or tertiary matter. Tough word for me. It does mean, however, that we recognize other believers as true brothers and sisters in Christ when we agree on gospel essentials. It also means that we strive to debate and discuss respectfully, that is, in a manner that honors other people and shows the world that we are united in what? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, you want to see this world light up, watch them see a group of people united around the gospel. You want to see your family dynamics change? Unite in the gospel. You want to see the church change? Unite in the gospel. You want to see those who are far from Jesus actually want to know him? Unite in the gospel. So who's right in these ladies? You know, I wonder how long Yodia and Syntyche were like, I'm more right. Who goes first then? See, I think right now you have a number of things that you may disagree with me on. Who goes first? Who who takes the first step towards the other person in these beliefs? Is it, is it Yodi because her, Yodia because her name was first? No. And see, if we refuse to step towards each other, then we're sitting in a posture of pride. So, so stand. And you're like, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not stepping away. I'm just standing here with my arms crossed until they come to me. Pride. So who goes first? You want to know who goes first? Jesus went first. He made a place for us through his blood, through his perfect life, so that we could stand together, disagreeing about all kinds of things. Oh, man, I love the idea of a church full of people that disagree on a bunch of things. Here's why. Because no matter what theology you believe, no matter what ideology you believe, it tends to have some generalizations where you just tend to do these things. Well, if a church is only one ideology, then when there's a bunch of the gospel missing... There's a bunch of understanding of what it means. We can, we can pick any theology in history, and I can tell you, like, if you tend to be this way, you, you tend to miss this, and it's broad generalizations. So then the church needs to be together so that what? The manifold wisdom of God can be displayed to this broken world. People can look and go, I want to be treated like that. I want to have hope in this broken world in spite of my circumstances. Who goes first? Jesus went first as a model. None of us should be standing with our arms crossed waiting for someone to come to us. Every single one of us should be coming to the table saying, I don't agree with you. And we shouldn't be saying, I don't know how you can believe in Jesus and do X because that's Jesus plus. I always go to Matthew. Jesus calls him. What did did Matthew know of Jesus' theology when he threw the party of tax collectors? What, what did he know about Jesus? Nothing. I, I don't know. He, I mean, he, he, he just told me to follow him, and I did. Come meet him, too. Maybe he'll tell you to follow him. I think what's happened is we've forgotten a couple things, and we're going to talk a lot more about this, and I'm going to encourage you. We'll have some questions for gospel communities to work through if you want to. Um, we've forgotten what Jesus has done for us, thereby minimizing what Jesus can do for others. And ultimately, at the end of it, we've been playing to the tune of the enemy in this world because our, our, our war, our battle is not with flesh and blood. I am not at war with you. 
You are not at war with the person on Facebook that both claim Jesus. In fact, just step out of that war. It's a pointless one. No one wins in that. Ephesians 6 says, For do, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, or Bren and, and, and Biden and Trump. or blah, blah. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's time for us to stop seeing people as our enemy and recognize there's an enemy behind it. Stop looking at someone as an enemy, because if you do, I mean, the scriptures are pretty clear how you're supposed to treat your enemy. Jesus does that, so enjoy that one. But recognize that the enemy is striving to do what? Bring about division. Why? Because division is the work of the flesh, and it's in opposition of the work of the Spirit. And we as the church, empowered by the Spirit of God, are to walk by the Spirit of God, to show the Spirit of God. So the church is a place where both Euodia and Syntyche can have a place at the very same table, regardless of their beliefs. They're compelled to stay at the table and work out their differences on the things that aren't salvation, that aren't central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they know that Jesus heals all things. A band's going to come up way late, but that's okay. And I want to ask you on these cards that you wrote, some of you probably panicked because you put your name on there. Um, we're not asking you to turn them in. But I'm hoping they'll look more like this, which you can't see. Well, you'll realize there's many things you disagree in the church, but none of them, none of them keep you from the table of Jesus Christ. That you don't need to bring your own table, your own silverware, that Jesus is preparing a place that's far better, and he's sitting you next to someone that he wants to sit you next to. Would you take a step towards the table of a brother or a sister in Christ who disagrees with you on these things? My willing, my, my bet is, and, and maybe you just need to write at the top, I entreat and put your name, and then I entreat and put the name of the other person you're disagreeing with right now. And say, how do I step towards agreeing in the Lord? And I, I I hope and I, and I beg and I plead that we would not see unity amongst the bride of Christ as optional in our salvation. I hope that we'd recognize that the church is already unified. In fact, Ephesians just tells us that we just have to maintain it. It's already ours in Christ. Lay down what you disagree with. And when I say lay down, hear me on this. Some of that may mean that you need to die to it. It needs to die. It just needs to be done. But a lot of it, I bet, is just, hey, I just need to put it in its proper place where it is not the primary thing. And I will operate in the Spirit of God. What motiv us, motivates us to stay unified is really hard. How do we do it? What are the things we can do to help um, hopefully these are things that we will talk about in the coming weeks. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, reminding me of all the ways that I have operated like a Iodia or a Syntyche where I've justified my disagreement as more powerful or more important than the fact that I'm sitting at the same place of Jesus. I picture myself coming into your kingdom in the moment of immense joy, being with you face to face and looking at whatever table setting you set for me and being like, oh, 
I wanted to be, and it just doesn't make sense, Lord. You know what I need. You know what every person here needs. You know where they are distancing themselves from the table. You know where they've brought other tables and said that these are more important. And unless we have this, we can't sit at the same table. And God, I pray, I pray, I plead, I plead with you, God, wreak havoc with our hard hearts. Bring us to a softness that can only be one done in humility because we recognize that we have no business at your table, but you have done everything to bring us there. May we never forget what you had to accomplish to put ourselves at that table. And may we never look at someone else as if they have no right to be there. May we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and recognize that when we fix our eyes on you, you have brought us together in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, sorry. We're not taking communion. I mentioned that. Um, if there is an actual person, and it's not just an ideology, but there's an actual person that represents your disagreeances, um, for the sake of the fact that Christ's body is not divided, would you please spend the time this week to, to do the necessary thing to be at peace with all men? as far as it depends on you, so that next week when we come to the table of Jesus where we've been brought together by the blood and the body of Jesus, we can take so in a worthy manner with which we've been called. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue 